If you have a Bible, um, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 8, Luke 8. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible around you, hopefully, a uh, black Bible, hardcover Bible. That's our gift to you if you don't own one. We want you to have that. Uh, we're also going to have the verses up on the screen for you as well. We started a few weeks ago talking about, you know, what does it mean to be like Jesus? What does that look like? You know, and, and we're, as a Christian, we're, we're told that, you know, we're to be like him. We're to act like him, respond like him, you know, um, think like him, see people in the way that he saw people uh, like him. That's what we're What's what we're called to do, and, and it's, it's challenging to do, um, you know, do it exactly the way that Jesus did it, because, I mean, he was the son of God, you know, and, uh, you know, he was, he was God in, in incarnate, God in flesh, you know, God in a bod is what he was, and, and uh, so it's hard for us to be able to definitely reach that, hard, you know, to reach that goal, but, um, but I think that also we're called collectively, because um, as the church, um, we are what's referred to as the body of Christ. That Jesus is our head, but we collectively are the body of Christ. And so as a church, collectively, we should look like him. We should respond like him. We should act like him. We should see people in the same way, way that he saw people uh, collectively as, as a church. And so the other thing that we talked about was the fact that people that were not like Jesus liked Jesus. The people that didn't believe what Jesus believed, believe in what he was about, believe in his message, um, I mean, Jesus was without sin. We believe that as Christians, that Jesus didn't sin, but Jesus hung out with sinners. And so here's a guy who was without sin, who never sinned, but yet he hung out with what they were categorized as and labeled as sinners. Jesus was by no means a traitor or a thief or a liar, but he hung out with tax collectors, and they were known to be that, traitors and thieves and liars. But that's who he spent time with. Jesus didn't need a doctor whatsoever, but Jesus only hung out with those who were sick. And he says it's the sick who need a physician, not the ones that are well. And they liked him. I mean, that's just, they liked him. We don't see any, any example in scripture of them being annoyed with him or frustrated with him or, you know, saying too much, man, too much, you know, like you don't see that. They, they seem to enjoy his company. He was invited to their weddings. He was invited to their house. As a matter of fact, a tax collector that Jesus asked to come and follow him, uh, somebody came up with the idea, whether it was Matthew's idea or Jesus's idea, to have a party. And so they had a party at Matthew's house, and Jesus was there around the table with Matthew's friends, and they were not religious people that Matthew was friends with, because Matthew was not friends with any religious people, because the religious people had wanted nothing to do with Matthew, but there's Jesus at the table around those who were not like him, but they liked him. And by the way, in that story, the religious people were on the outside they were religious people, were not in where Jesus was. And by the way, I don't want to be that kind of religious person. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to be in the presence of Jesus. That's where I want to be. And I hope if you're a Christian, that's where you want to be. I don't want to be known as a religious people, as a religious person. As a matter of fact, I tell people commonly, you know, they'll say, you know, you know what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. But I say, I'm not that religious, though. And they just kind of look at me funny. Really not. I don't want to be religious. I want, I want to be somebody that just has a relationship with Jesus. 
and I want to be like him. And I hope you want to be like him. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus has um, gathered a large crowd of people and they're listening to his teachings is what Jesus commonly would do because people like to hang out with him. They like to, to hear what he had to say. And so he gathered this large crowd of people. And Jesus would speak in what, what was called, the Bible calls parables, which are basically just stories. And they're stories uh, to illustrate a point. They were stories that, that people at that time could really understand. They were uh, applicable to their life and what they were as, as, you know, as farmers or as shepherds or whatever they were. But Jesus would tell stories um, so that they can understand. And he would tell these stories to make a point. And so this large crowd of people are gathering, and, and these people must have understood what it meant to sort of, you know, grow your own crops and grow your own fruits and vegetables and, you know, to, to know what it meant to, you know, take some seed and to sow that seed, you know, into the soil. We don't do that. We just, somebody does that for us, and we go to the grocery store, and we buy it at the grocery store is what we do. But they grew their own food, and that's what they did. And so Jesus was given a story or telling a story to illustrate a point. And, he, and, and the story is just sort of, um, you know, kind of broken up in, in, a, in a strange way because he tells the story and the disciples that were with him didn't understand what he was talking about. And so later he explains it to them of what he meant by certain things. And so we're going to look at that story or that parable that he tells in that way. We're going to say what he t tell you what he said at first and then, and then an explanation of what he gave his disciples so that it's better for us to understand. So it says in Luke 8, in verse number 5, it says, The sower went out to sow his seed. Now, because that's what sowers do, right? I mean, I just blew your mind right there. I know I did. Sower went out to sow his seed because that's what you do when you're a sower. You sow seed. That's what you do. And he went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road. And it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And, and so Jesus tells that one. He sort of describes, you know, this, this soil being a hard, hard soil is the way that he sort of describes it. And he later explains what he meant by that. And he says in verse 12, if, you, if we skip down to verse 12, he explains what that means. That means that a sower goes out and he sows its seed. And by the way, he sort of describes what those roles are. So the sower... Is, was Jesus at this time, and the sower is also us right now. Are you with me? The sower was Jesus at this time, and those who were beginning to follow Jesus, and now the sower is all of us. That's who we are if you're a Christian. We are the sower. The seed it represents, according to Jesus, the word of God. So Jesus is telling this story, this parable, and he's explaining to them, you and I are the sower the seed is the word of God, and the seed fell. The sower sowed the seed, and it fell on hard soil, and the birds came, and they ate it up. And then he describes what he means by that. He says, those beside the road are those who have heard the word of God. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So he's describing a scenario that happens to some people. That when the sower goes and sows the seed, what happens is the devil comes because if you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we believe that there's an enemy. And we believe he's the devil. And, and he believes that he's, we believe that he's trying to stop the work of God. He's trying to stop what God is trying to do in this world. And he'll come and he'll snatch 
some of the seed that the sower drops. And that's one way of describing what happened here. Then he goes on to describe another kind of a soil. Okay? By the way, the soil in Jesus' story represents the heart. So the sower is us, the seed is the word of God, and the soil is the heart of man. Okay? And so he goes on and says in, in verse number 6, he says in verse 7, Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So this is also it's sort of described as, it can be described as rocky soil, but it also can be described as shallow soil. Because it didn't grow, it, 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 the, the seed didn't take root like it needed to. It didn't have the depth of the root that it needed to. And as a result of that, it had no moisture and it eventually died. Well, Jesus explains what he means by that in verse 13. He says, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear the word, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So he's describing a someone who maybe it, it gets emotionally involved, gets the feelings of, of what Jesus may have done for them, you know, gets involved, but there's no depth to that. It's just an emotion. It was just a, a moment of, of weakness that somebody had when they had an encounter, you know, with, with the message and the gospel of Jesus, but it was just an emotional decision. It was just a, a, a decision based around feeling, and as a result of that, when temptation came, when difficulty came, it, it, it withered away. It died. That was what he meant by that. The next example that he gives in this story is what I call the crowded soil. The crowded soil. And this is in verse, starts in verse number 7. In verse number 7, he says this. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. So, what do you mean by this, Jesus, the disciples asked. He says in verse 14, here's what this means. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. He says, here's what will happen for people who hear the word and, and, and want to begin to sow the seed of the word, but eventually what they haven't done is they haven't removed some of the weeds. They haven't removed some of the thorns. And the weeds and the thorns are the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And eventually those worries and those riches and those pleasures in this life eventually choke it out and it dies. So he presents to us and he presented to the crowd that was there three different kinds of soil that happens when a sower drops the seed. He says there's a hard soil, the devil uh, bring, uh, takes it away. There's a shallow soil and temptation comes because their decision was only based on emotion or feeling. There's a, there's a crowded soil and, and, and it's crowded by the thorns and the weeds because of the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And it just eventually chokes out, chokes it out. But then he describes another kind of a soil. And he describes in verse number 8, he describes the good soil. The good soil. He says, the other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and it produced a crop. A hundred times as great. 
And he said these things and he would call out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, listen, if you're listening, if you're really listening, because you can listen and you can hear it, but you're not really taking it in. He says, I want you to really hear this. There's a, there's a good soil that can happen here. And he describes what the good soil is in verse 15. He says, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. He said, there's, there's all of these different kinds of soil that happens. There's the hard soil. There's the shallow soil. There's the crowded soil. But there's also the possibility that there could be the good soil, the good soil. Do you know the, what the problem is? And I'm just talking to Christians right now. Do you know what the problem is that we have when it comes to sharing our faith and, and share, trying to share what we believe and living this thing out? You know what the problem is most of the time? It's definitely not the seed is the problem. The seed is never the problem. It's usually not the sower, but it could be. The sower could do it wrong. But oftentimes it's just the soil. And, and, and oftentimes what we face, and this is why it's so challenging for us to be a Christian today, is oftentimes what we face is the fact that we live in a world where there's hard soil, there's shallow soil, there's crowded soil. But we are still called, for Christians, we are still called to be sowers. Because there's still a possibility that the seed that we sow could fall on a good soil. There's that possibility. And all through the scriptures, we see this tension. We see this dilemma. I mean, you look back at a character like Noah. You know, Noah, you know, he built the ark, you know, because he told, he said that the rain was coming, and he, so he built this ark, he trusted God, built, the, built this boat, rain was coming. Did you know that the, how it describes Noah in the Bible? It describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness. You know what that means? That means Noah went out probably every single day saying, hey, God's judgment is coming. It's going to rain. You need to be in the boat when it does. He probably went out every single day. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming, and they laughed at him, they joked, they made fun of him, they said, oh, we don't even know what rain is, you're telling me there's going to be water that's going to fall from the sky, and it's going to lift up the earth, and we need to be in a boat, or we're going to drown, and Noah's probably going, yeah, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You know who made it in the boat? Just a bunch of animals and his family. That's it. As a matter of fact, here's how Jesus, look what it says about Jesus and John. We think that Jesus was like, wow, I mean, I can't, I can't do what Jesus did. But look what it says about Jesus in, in John chapter number 1. Look, look what it says about him in verse number 9. He says, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world. This is talking about Jesus. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world, look what it says, did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not, look what it says, receive him. I mean, this is Jesus, though. I mean, he was, he was like perfect. He did everything right, yet his own people did not receive him. 
Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who did, to them became the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Listen, here's the point. The point is, if you're a Christian, we're all sowers. And regardless of our excuses, and regardless of our rejections, and regardless of how difficult it is, there's still a responsibility. There's still a privilege. There's still a purpose that we've been called to. And as a sower, we have been given seed. And when a sower gets seed, a sower is supposed to spread that seed on the soil. And it may fall on hard soil, but it's not for you to determine if that happens. And it may fall on shallow soil, but it's not on you to determine if that happens. And it may fall on crowded soil, but that's not on you to determine if that happens. But it just may fall on good soil. That's why if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, you and I are sowers and we're given seed, which is the word of God, and we're supposed to spread that seed. That's what we're called And the results of that are between the person that it falls on and an almighty God. But we have a responsibility. We have a privilege to take the seed that we have and to sow that seed. Jesus goes on in this story, Luke 8, in verse 16. He he sort of changes the, 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 the metaphor a little bit. He changes it. And he describes it in this way in verse 16, Luke, Luke 8, 16. He says this, he says, now no one, here's here's what he's saying, no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. He said, nobody who would light up a room and and take a lamp and and light, light up the room, nobody would cover that. Who would do that? No one would hide that under a bed. Who would do that? They would, they would put it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. That's what people would do. So why would we, if we've been given, Christian, if we've been given the seed of the word of God, why wouldn't we sow it? Christian, you've been given the light of Jesus Christ. Why would we cover that up? Why would we try to hide that? Why would we try to put that, you know, at bay? Why would we try to keep that to ourselves? Because who would do that? Who would do that? Not too long ago, I heard um, that 7-Eleven did something that I thought was the most amazing thing in the world. They say that you can bring in any size container that you want and fill it up with Slurpee. I thought to myself, who wouldn't do that? 
That's what I thought. I'm like, who wouldn't do that? You're telling me that I can go into 7-Eleven, bring in anything that I want. I've said, who, who wouldn't do that? So that day came. I don't remember what day it was. I don't know if it was like July 11th or something like that. Maybe it makes sense if it was. And, and, and they said, you can come in and bring that in. So I said, I got my kids together, and I said, guys, we need to find the biggest thing that we can find in this house because we're going to 7-Eleven, and I'm going to sugar you up like crazy, and then I'm going to leave the house with your mom. So I, we did. We went to 7-Eleven. I got some pictures to prove it. We went to 7-Eleven, and there's my oldest son. He's got a big old thing, man. He's got every single Slurpee mix you can possibly put in that thing. There's my daughter. She got her big little Chargers thing. She filled that up. There's, my, there's Andrew. He's crazy already. I wasn't going to give him anything bigger than that. He's already crazy. And there's my, my daughter, Sarah. Sarah, she's got, there it is. She's got, who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't do that, right? I mean, come on. I mean, they're telling you that we can go to 7-Eleven and fill it up with, with anything we, we have in our house. Who wouldn't do that? It's just the same thing that Jesus is saying. Listen, you've been given the light. You have the seed. You're, you need to sow that. Yeah, it may fall on hard soil. Yeah, it may fall on shallow soil. Yeah, it may fall on crowded soil. But that's between them and God. You, Christian, have a responsibility, no, have a privilege of being able to sow that seed. You, Christian, are, be, are given the light of the world. And he's the one that you and I have the privilege of knowing and having relationship with. And who would hide that? Who would hide that? I said last week, I don't think I'm any better because I'm a Christian, but I know that I'm better off. I know that I'm better off. I know what my life was before, that, before Jesus, and I know what it is now, and I'm just better off as a Jesus follower. Listen, that's our story. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because this oftentimes feels daunting. I'm hoping it doesn't feel daunting for you today, knowing that really the problem lies with the soil and not with the sower. But we're still supposed to sow. The seed. Who wouldn't? So here's the deal. The seed, the seed, the word of God, is not about explaining something. The seed is not about explaining something. It's about experiencing someone. The seed, the word of God, is not about explaining something. And we always have the need to have to try to explain everything in here. And, and, and I think that you should have a knowledge, you need to have a knowledge of what God's word says. But here's what I know, and here's what you know, that isn't oftentimes experience the best way to learn. I mean, come on, I don't know how many people I've talked to that went to college somewhere, and they're like, and I said, well, you know, do, you, do you work with what you got your degree in? No, no, I don't. I said, well, how do you know what you do? Well, you just go and you learn the job it's, and you have experience with it and then you, you can do it well. Talked to a guy after the 9 o'clock service. He said the same thing. He said, I get all these college kids coming in here with all their degrees and all their education. He said, he said, but they don't know what they're doing. They need experience to know what they're doing. Isn't that how life works oftentimes? It's about experiences that we have. And this is what Christianity is about. It's not about always explaining something. It's just getting people to experience a someone. Because we follow Jesus, and we've experienced him personally. And that's why the Bible says in Psalm 34, he says, Oh, taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. 
Listen, I can stand up here every single Sunday, and I'm, ha- I'm going to be doing that every single Sunday as often as I possibly can. But listen, I can stand up here until I'm blue in the face and telling you how good it is to be a Jesus follower. But until you experience that for yourself, you'll never understand because it's not always about explaining a something it's about experiencing a someone and when people came to know jesus they they didn't give answers and always explanations of why 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 this or why that all they said was come and see for yourself who he is and we don't always have to have all the answers and i don't have all the answers but I know what he's done for me personally. I know what I've experienced personally because that's what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's not about explaining a something. It's about experiencing a someone. A couple years ago, um, we planned a trip to go to Disney World, and um, we got all the information that we possibly could get about our, our, our time and, and getting the most out of our experience at Disney World. And we met, we literally went met with a family, went over to a family's house, where they've, they've been there a number of times, went over to a family's house. They gave us all their maps and all of their information, and they said, go check this out and go on this website. And so we did. We got all of our, you know, stuff that we needed. We got all of the knowledge that we needed to go there. And I remember them saying to me, you've got to go and see Mickey. You've got to go and take your kids to see Mickey. And I'm thinking, well, you know, who cares? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a kid in a costume, you know, like, no big deal. And so I remember we, go, we're, we went there, and, and uh, it was time we were scheduled to go and see Mickey Mouse. And uh, so we go, and there's this get in a line, you know, and you get in this line, and you wait, and you wait into a room, and, and uh, they, they, they make sure that it's just your, your family that ex- have this experience, you know. And so we're waiting outside, and I'm just thinking, oh. This is like, it was like late, it was late at night, I'm like, oh, I'm tired, I'm like, who cares about this mouse, you know, and, you know, this kid, this kid is probably going to be lame, you know, he's going to try to talk like Mickey Mouse, and it's going to be embarrassing, I'm going to be embarrassed for him, you know, and, I'm, and these are the things that I'm thinking, and so we're waiting, and it's finally our time to go in, and we went in, and this is like, this room was like, it was like we were in Mickey Mouse's world. And then Mickey Mouse started talking, and I'm like, you're really Mickey. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm a, I, I was caught, like, I was so caught up in it, and I'm just like, my, my kids are trying to get a picture with them. I'm like, get out of here, guys, you know, and I'm like, putting my arm around them. I mean, it was like, no one could explain to me how glorious it was to be it felt spiritual. I don't know why. No, I'm kidding. But it just was like this experience of, and it, it was like, I don't know how they did it. It was like, I had to like tell myself, that's just a kid in a costume. It's just a kid in a costume. But he nailed him. I mean, he was, he was perfect at Mickey Mouse. It was perfect. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, like this experience is amazing. And we'll never, we'll never forget that experience. And that's what they make. Disney World, they make that whole experience around someone right? The whole experience. That's why the people checking your bags, if you go there, man, they are like the happiest people in the world. As a matter of fact, I talked to a worker one time because I was so annoyed at how happy they were just to check my bag. And say, I said, why do you do that? He says, because if we don't, if we make you unhappy, we get fired from this job. I said, man, I would like to fire some Christians sometimes when it comes to that. 
Not, none, none of you guys. None of you guys. No. Not the Christians out of 10 Market Street Church. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, listen, the, the experience, they want to create an experience about someone. And there's so many ways to explain it. There's so many different ways to explain it. And sometimes it's okay. We don't have all the answers. But here's what we, here's what our invitation is. I just want you to come and see how good it is to experience someone. Because there's a lot of things here that are hard to explain. I'm, I, can I admit that? Are you okay? But I can't deny. You hear me? I can't deny that I've had an experience with someone. And it wasn't an emotional experience. You know why? Because that, that flower would have been withered away a long time ago. You hear me? That, fl- that, 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 that fruit would have been gone a long time ago. Some reason or another, somebody, some sower decided that they were going to take the seed and they were going to just cast the seed out and it fell on my heart. And somehow, some way, it fell on the good soil of my heart because I was ready to receive something different, something better, something that no one else could offer, something that the riches of this world couldn't offer, something that the pleasures of this life couldn't offer, something that the riches of this life couldn't offer. And I was, somebody was offering something different for me. And it wasn't about them explaining it because I don't think that they did a great job explaining it, but I just experienced a someone and I'm changed forever. It's not about explaining something. It's about experiencing a someone. And your job and my job is to take the seed of the word of God because we're sowers and we sow it and we hope and we pray that it falls on good soil so that they can experience a someone, not a something. Because all, if all it is for us is just meeting in a building like this, and singing a few songs, and throwing a few bucks in a plate, you're missing it. The reason why we do that is because we know and we've experienced someone that's changed our life. Christian, right? Right? That's what we are. That's what we do. So here's, let me wrap this up. So here's what this looks like, okay? Here's what this looks like. We've been given, we are the sower, we've been given, we've been given seed. Yeah, this is, this is my next Slurpee container right here. <laughs> I can get like 27,000 straws in this thing right here. No. So this is what we've been given. Now, I know you're not a farmer, but whatever, you get it, you get it. We've been given the seed, which is the word of God. And every single piece of seed in here represents something, a promise, um, something that will transform a life. It really will. The word of God will transform your life. It will change you forever. Just a little seed will change you forever. And so we've been given, as a sower, we've been given our seed, which is the word of God. And we're told, now here's, here's what we, we forget. We're told that we are, are, have a life on a mission. That we have a life with a purpose. And here's what that means. That means this. You occupy an original space. Okay? 
You don't breathe my air and I don't breathe your air. You don't walk my path on this earth and I don't walk your path on this earth. You and I are unique and original in the place and the position that God has put you in on this planet. And he tells us as sowers, I want you to take the seed. And the original, unique place, the original, unique opportunity, the original, unique uh, in, in places where you inhabit, where you do life, I want you to be on mission. And that is to wherever God has ordained you to go in your life, and you walk a different path than I walk, and, and, and the person next to you walks a different path than the, than the person that you're sitting next to. Listen, we all have a unique space, an original space that we occupy. No one is like you. No one can do this the way that you do this. I can't reach the people that you reach. You can't reach the people that I reach. We all have different gifts. We all have different different abilities and we're told you have the privilege to live a life on mission and keep your head up and to take your seed and begin to drop and to spread your seed because we are called to be sowers not hoarders you can have the light, you can have the seed, but we're not called to hoard that seed. I remember hearing a story once of, of some people that came, went on a mission trip and they went to a village and they were getting ready to pass out a bunch of seeds, different kinds of seeds, fruits, vegetable seeds to the people in the village. And they wanted the people in the village to go and to sow that seed, to cultivate that seed and eventually harvest that for everybody in the village to be able to share it was sort of this community garden idea and you know what happened to the people that came up to the table to get their cup of seed they ate the seed they just ate it they were so hungry that instead of waiting and sowing it and, and being able to share it and experience it together, they took the cup of seed, they were so hungry, and they just downed it right there. You know what happens? This happens oftentimes in churches every single weekend. We take the word and we take it down, the seed down, and we're meant to sow that seed. We're not meant to hoard that seed for ourselves. But too oftentimes people leave here and go, well, I'm full, but then you're hungry two hours later, right? You see what I mean? We're not meant to hoard it. We're meant to sow it because we're sowers. That's what we're doing. And we take our original space that God has allowed us to have, and every single day we wake up, and we take from the whole pail of the word of God that God has given us, and we take a little bit of that seed of the word. And we just go to the areas and the places that God has ordained for us to go. That God has uniquely positioned us to go. And we simply sow our seed. Right? We simply sow our seed. Hey, how are you doing today? Are you doing all right? Man, I'm just praying for you. I hope everything's going fine with you, David. <laughs> 
Now, don't literally do that. That would just be weird, and they would never want to talk to you again. But you're figuratively just saying, hey, man, I just, I just want to let you know that I just want you to know that, man, God loves you so much, and I'm just thinking of you. And you know how I was able to do that with David? I was able to do that with David because I've already developed a relationship with David. David already kind of knows me, and so I'm not so weird to David, but I'm just loving and I'm friendly. So I've cultivated the ground a little bit because I've invested and I've intentionally developed a relationship with people that I work with, or I go to school with, that I, that I see do life with. And so I've cultivated the ground a little bit relationally so that in turn I can go and David can say, hey man, I'm kind of struggling. Oh, oh, let me tell you, you know, let me ha- tell you how I can help you with that. Man, when I'm struggling, I turn to the Lord. I know Jesus and boy, he helps me. He gives me a peace in my life. When I don't, I can't find it on my own, he gives that to me. And when I'm looking for something that I need more than just happiness, he gives me a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory and you've already cultivated that ground so that you can now give the seed and it may just fall on good soil it may you're a sower don't be a hoarder you're not called to be hoarders been given the greatest message in the world the greatest and some may not receive you that happened it happened to jesus by the way happened to paul happened to peter happened to james happened to all the new testament guys and gals happened but we sow because that's what we're called to do and you are uniquely positioned You are an original. I don't even want your job. I like mine. I don't want to go to school anymore, guys. But that's where you go. We all are unique and have a place to sow. Everybody okay? All right. God, um, I just... uh, I pray, Lord, that we understand that it's really just, we're, we're so overrated, and I think we put so much weight and expectation on ourselves. Eventually, and ultimately, it just brings about this nerves and our lack of ability to try to explain something. But we're not really asked to explain something. We're just called to bring people to experience someone, to experience you see that in your word when your disciples were called you just wanted them to experience you and the explanations come and the answers come over time but really we just want people to just to start just to say hey come and experience someone god we hope that that's what you continue to challenge us with not because we have all the answers but because we know what you've done for us personally And it wasn't an emotional decision. It wasn't a decision based around feelings. It was just a knowledge of of, of an understanding that we are sinners and needed a Savior. And that the only way through life and the only way to experiencing a better life, an abundant life, is through you. Because we've experienced it personally. So 
I pray that we make every effort that we can to continue to be the sowers that you've called us to be. Why wouldn't we? You've given us the greatest message in the world. You've shined your light into our heart. Why would we hide that light? Why would we put it away? Who would do that? I pray that we're not. Because somebody in a path that somebody in this room walks, their heart is ready to receive the seed of your word. And I pray, Lord, that they get to experience as a sower the privilege of that and how amazing that is. I pray that's what we are as a church. Every single day, all of us are on mission. All of us walk with purpose. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me uh, quickly just share with you a couple things. Um, we have cards. They're business cards. One is our Night Craze event, which I know Tony mentioned. Um, it's, it's for kids, elementary age kids. Um, can you take some cards? They're on the information desk. Take some cards if you have elementary age kids. Encourage your kids. This is so important. Encourage your kids to invite their friends. Your kids are more bold and courageous than you are. So you just put it in their hands and, and let them go at go to work. And then we also created this card, the tailgate, our tailgate party for February 5th. Okay? Your participation and your involvement in that is so huge. Even if you couldn't get anybody to come with you, that's okay. We want you to be here. And we want you to invite somebody. So what we want you to do, okay? What we want you to do, we want you to take a tailgate card. Take a stack of them, okay? We have a bunch of them on the desk. Take the tailgate card, and what we want you to do is, on one of them, maybe write a name or two of people that you know that you want to invite, that you can invite, okay? And we want you to write that just as a way for you to go, i got to invite Susie. I've got to invite Steve. i got to invite Mike. i got to invite them. You know, so that's just a way for you to do that. So take a stack of tailgate cards and pass them out, okay? Don't give the card with the name on it that you wrote. And like, you know, but you can if you want. I, you know, he'd be weirded out by that maybe. But, um, but take a stack of those and take a night craze card. And these are way f ways for us to try to connect with people, okay? All right? Gives, you, gives us some responsibility in that way, okay? All right. Thanks, everybody.